Bibles to the New Testament book of 1 Peter, the epistle of 1 Peter, chapter 1. While we're turning there, all the children, that's through 8th eight, would like to go to Children's Church, you're welcome to go. You, of course, don't have to, you can stay with your family, or whoever you may be with, but we do appreciate our faithful workers, all the children of 2 Open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. This is where I'll begin reading the verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll begin reading the verse 1. Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. So we just appreciate you being here today. Hope your heart's already through the music, the congregational singing, the choir special, the ensemble special. Uh, you have so much to be thankful for. We hope your heart's been ministered. All right, if you got your Bible open, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. I'll read aloud as you follow along in your Bible. <clears throat> Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, he left according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, and unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively or a living hope by or through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. For in you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than the gold, perishes. <laughs> Though it be tried with fire, I be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believe, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end of your salvation, your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation. The prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Father, may you add your blessing to the reading of your word today May the Holy Spirit open our, up our hearts to hear and understand. And may the Lord Jesus Christ be honored and glorified. For it's in his precious name we pray. 
Amen. I call your attention to a very interesting phrase right at the end of verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Right at the very end. I underline this in my Bible. It said, things the angels desire to look into. Wow. Now that ought to grab your attention, doesn't it? Things that even the angels desire to look into. Now I'm going to ask you a question you don't have to answer out loud. Can you ever remember a time in your life, maybe when you were a child or younger, uh, that you thought something to this effect, wonder what it would be like to trade places with an angel for a day. Wow. Learn about, by the way, the Bible has a lot to say about angels. It's a whole study in itself. Those creative spirit beings, all their beauty and, and, and splendor and glory and, and power. They're like God's bionic ministers, you know, and all the strength and power and all. And, and wow, to just uh, be an angel for a day. Wonder if the angels have ever thought something like this. I'd like to trade places with God. Why is it? What in the world does Peter have in mind here when he said there are some things that even the angels desire to look into? Now I said that for this reason. That word look or that phrase there to look into actually means. To bend down, to stoop, to lean, and to peer. You ever felt like somebody was kind of looking over your shoulder? Eavesdropping on your conversation? Uh, did you know the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14? If you're not familiar with this verse, drop that reference down. Hebrews 1, 14 says that many angels, angels are God's spirit, spirit ministers, Ministering to those who are heirs of salvation. The Bible says we have guardian angels, we have ministering angels. It's a whole ministry within itself. But this says that, that, that there's, there's some things that the angels are actually perhaps peeking over the banister of heaven. Now they're not deity, they're not omnipotent, they're not omniscient. Angels aren't deity, they don't know everything. And, and, and they're perfect created beings of God and so forth. But what in the world? These things that even the angels would like to eavesdrop and, 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 and learn about. Wow! It's, now, folks, listen, listen. If God, it, it says there in, uh, in verse 12 at the beginning, unto whom it was revealed these things. Now, if God Almighty, are you, are you listening? If God Almighty has truly spoken and has truly revealed certain revelation and truth, and by the way, we believe he has, amen, and we believe not only has God revealed it, he's given it by inspiration, holy men of God, moved by the Holy Spirit, and we believe the Bible is the word of God, and we still have a supernaturally preserved truth of God today. These are the things that God has revealed. Do we believe that? Amen. Now watch this. If we really believe that God has revealed a certain truth and God has literally worked the supernatural and is still working the supernatural and even the angels are interested in looking into it and beholding more about it, shouldn't we be interested in it? And yet, 
And it's only by the grace of God that we know anything about God today. It's his mercy and grace, his abundant mercy that's mentioned back in verse 3. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, all the mercy and the grace of God. But yet, isn't it absolutely a shame how ignorant we are of the things that God has revealed and done? And not only ignorant, but sometimes people are willfully. They don't want to know. And, and sometimes in our world where we as sinners are taught and confronted with the truth of God, we deliberately deny it sometimes and even mock it and blaspheme and make fun of it. And here, the whole time, the angels of God, wow, wow. Now, the truth is, I don't know if an angel has ever thought, well, I'd like to switch places with Frank Hall. <laughs> I doubt that. I'll be surprised to find that out. So it's not so much that you and I, and I want to be careful how I say this, I want to say that it's not so much you and I that they're interested in, although, as I mentioned, Hebrews 1.14 says that angels are ministering spirits, and we have, the truth is, we, we have no way, of, I don't even think we know the tip of the iceberg of what's going on out here in the spirit world, whether it's demonic spirits or whether it's good angels and but I'm glad God's in charge of all of that, amen, and they're ministering spirits and all. But what the angels, I believe, are concerned about is the abundant mercy of God and the grace of God. There's another verse, got this reference down in your mind on paper, Ephesians 3.10. Ephesians 3.10, now watch this. Go this this will make smoke come out of your ears. Blow your mind. Listen to this. Ephesians 3.10 says that through the church, that's not necessarily talking about the local church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Through born-again believers, and you can apply to yourself personally, that through what God's doing in His abundant mercy and grace in the lives of individual hell-deserving sinners like you and me, and by the way, if we had what we deserve from an absolutely holy God, we'd be in a hell right now. It's His abundant mercy and grace. And when the angels look down, and see what God's mercy and grace can do with sinners like you and me. Ephesians 3.10 says they are learning something about the wisdom of God. You see, it's not so much you and me that the angels are interested in as what God's doing with you. <laughs> We're trophies on display of the wisdom of God and the mercy and the grace of God. And the angels are literally bending over Stooping down, peeking in, saying, Wow! Look what God's revealed. Look what God's doing. Now, we could go from Genesis, from the first verse of the Bible to the last, but in this particular scripture, what is the Apostle Peter talking about? And look at verse 10. Of which salvation, in this particular passage of scripture, it's the Bible doctrine of salvation. The glorious Savior and the glorious salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. So in this particular portion of Scripture, it's the Bible doctrine of salvation. It's these things that concern salvation that the angels, wow, it's just unbelievable. The things that God's doing and what God's doing in the life of hell-deserving sinners like you and me. Can we say amen to that? 
Now, for lack of time and for today's message, can we take these two <coughs> verses that we read this morning and summarize them this way? The Bible speaks of salvation in three tenses, past, present, and future. Now, from your perspective and my perspective, our salvation began the moment we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Amen? Some of you may have gotten saved as children, some as teenagers, adults in life. But from God's perspective, your salvation began in eternity past. Look back at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. First Peter, this is salvation past. Now watch this. These are some of the truths that God's revealed. That the, even the angels are just are overwhelmed with. <laughs> 1 Peter 1, verse 2, elect or selected or chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Now, what in the world is that verse saying? It's saying that God foreordained, predestinated, elected, chosen before the foundation world. God knew who was going to be saved. And by the way, did you notice you have the Trinity, the entire Godhead mentioned there? God the Father the work of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. All of this is wonderful truths there about what God's doing in hearts and lives. Now look at look over in the same chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1, and the verses 19 and 20 says that we're saved of the precious blood of Christ as the Lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. You know what? This thing had been saved in something one day Adam and Eve decided to sin, and God thought, oh boy, I've got a problem now. What am I going to do? God knew in eternity past. Now, boy, smoke's coming out of my ear, my brain's burning, but I just accept it by faith. Now, from God's perspective, our salvation goes all the way back into eternity past. But from my human perspective, look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God the Father, God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us. That's the new birth. That's salvation. The moment you came with a repentant heart and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were born again. You were made alive spiritually. And you were given a living hope by or through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, from my perspective, my salvation passed again on April the 6th. 15, 1965. That was about 55 years ago. Okay? So that's past. Now, listen, listen very carefully. <coughs> By the grace of God, God saved me as a 14-year-old teenager almost 55 years ago. Now, I am not one bit more a child of God today than I was when God first saved me 55 years ago. Now, I hope for the grace of God I'm a spiritually stronger child. I hope maybe in 55 years I've spiritually matured a little bit and grown a little bit. But I, would, I, I became a child of God the moment I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Amen? Now, and I will not be, I will not be with the grace and mercy of God any more of a child of God when I see Jesus than I am right now to believe. So when we say your salvation is past, present, and future, we don't mean you got to wait till you get to heaven to find out you're a child of God or not. You keep on striving and climbing, and one day you'll find out. No, 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 no. Past salvation means 
And in the moment you come with a repentant heart and trust Jesus, you're saved from the penalty of sin. No more condemnation. No more wrath of God. Ah! No wonder the angels said, because <laughs> they know how holy God is. And they know how sinful sin is. And they know that God reveals things where sin doth abound. God's grace doth much more abound. And they say, how can such, wow, that such a holy God can take a sinner like you and me and forgive their sins and deliver from, from, the, from the condemnation and penalty of sin. And now there's no more condemnation and they're eternally secure and safe under the power of God. Verse 5 of this very chapter said, not only are we saved by the mercy and grace of God, but our security, we're kept saved. By the power of Almighty God. We're absolutely helpless to save ourselves and we're absolutely helpless to keep ourselves saved. Amen. That's salvation pass. And by the way, if you're sitting here today and you're not saved, and you know right where you're sitting, in your heart you can reach out right now with a dependent heart and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't even have to wait till the sermon. You can get saved right where you're sitting in your heart. Read the call upon the name of the Lord and get saved. In five minutes from now, you can look back and say, that was my past salvation. Five minutes ago, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Whether it's five minutes ago or five days ago or 55 years ago. That salvation passed. And now you've truly trusted Jesus and he saved you from the penalty of sin. Well, what's all this about salvation? Verse, uh, at the, uh, verse 5 says we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. That sounds like something in the future. Ready to be revealed in the last time. That's future. Verse 9 talks about receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Does that mean I really don't want know whether I'm a child of God or not until I die and get to heaven? Folks, you better not wait that long. Uh, it'd be too late then. Amen. No, you don't have to wait. This is talking about the word end there in verse 9 means the completion or the fulfillment. One day, hallelujah, one day, hallelujah, we're going to be saved from the very presence of sin. Amen? The former things are passed away. And the redemption of our body. The redemption of our body. Now, when we see Jesus, we're going. the Bible says we're going to see him as he is, the Apostle John said, and we're going to be just like him. Now, that's the salvation. We're going to be fully grown. And God, from God's perspective, he sees it as already is. That's what the doctrine of justification is. God already sees us through Christ as we will be when we stand in his presence. I have a hard time seeing myself. I look in the mirror. I see myself as I am today. God sees me as I will be. That's salvation new body, just as holy and righteous and godly as Jesus. The Apostle Jude said, standing before God's faultless. Wow! Aren't you looking forward to that day? That's salvation future. When, now, now you're, it doesn't mean you're going to be more of a child of God. You're already his child. You're going to be just like Jesus, standing in the presence. So there's salvation past. That's from from our perspective, the moment you trusted Christ, you were immediately saved from the penalty of sin. Kept the power of God. Hallelujah. We're looking forward to that day when we see Jesus Christ. Look at that. That's the grace of God. And, and Peter said, Peter said here in verse 10, the Old Testament prophets, they prophesied about this. All this grace of God that was coming. And, and one of the problems they had was though that you read here that 
God began to reveal to them that the Messiah was going to come and suffer. Isaiah 53. Suffer and die for our sin. And yet also he was going to come in glory and splendor and rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. How can this be the same? And sometimes even in the same verse of the Bible in some of those prophets or the same chapter. The Spirit of God was telling these prophets that your Messiah is going to come and suffer and be treated shamefully and die as a substitute for sinners. And then he's going to come as King of Kings. And what many of them didn't understand, the Apostle Peter says, was the timing of all this. Many times it's been illustrated like you're looking down and you see two mountain peaks. And it looks like they're right back to back. And as you travel around, all of a sudden, those two mountain peaks begin to spread. And there's a valley in between. And someone put it this way. Jesus came the first time to go to Mount Calvary. He's coming back ultimately the second time. And his feet, Zechariah said, will land upon Mount of Olives. Amen. When he comes back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's coming again. And in between those two comings is the age in which we're living. Church age, the age of grace. Well, the Old Testament prophets, they, they didn't, they didn't, God revealed it and they believed it and they wrote it down and they proclaimed it. They didn't understand it all, they accepted it by faith. Guess what? There's still a whole lot in the Bible I don't perfectly understand. Is that not true? But we still believe it, amen. Thank God for what He has revealed to us. There's still a lot of unanswered questions. God told us everything we need to know. But we accept it by faith, especially concerning the future and prophecy and the second coming. We may have our opinions and some things we can say dogmatically because we know that the, the Word of God makes it plain. Other things we may have our opinions on, but we're kind of like those Old Testament prophets. When they prophesied, Jesus hadn't even come the first time. Now we're in between those two comings and He's coming again. And we accept it by faith. Man, we're looking forward to that future aspect of our salvation, are we not? Now folks, these are the, even the angels said, wow, this almost too good to be true. Should we not be interested in these things? What about that present tense of salvation? The moment I trust in Christ, we save me from the penalty of sin. The moment I see Jesus, I leave this life and step into the presence of God by His mercy and grace. I'll be delivered from the pollution and power of sin. No more struggle with the world, flesh, and the devil. Amen. Thank God for the victory we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. What about right now? Well, look what the Apostle Peter said here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. Chapter 1, verse 6. We're in, you greatly rejoice. Now there he's talking about verse 4. We have an inheritance waiting on us. Where's it at? It's reserved in heaven. By the way, we still believe these things, don't we? Take them literally. Heaven's a real place. Eternal life again. And verse 6 says, We're in you greatly rejoice, though, and I underline this in my Bible, though now. There's the present. Though now, for a season, oh, thank God, only for a period of time. If need be, and you know what? Evidently, it's needed, or God wouldn't leave us here. You know, God, this amazing God, 
knows exactly what this man right here needs in his life. Mountaintops, valleys. Isn't it wonderful to have a Heavenly Father that knows you and loves you and he knows exactly what I need? By the way, you know, it's kind of like a mom and dad. Sometimes I'm a little child and I'd like to tell God, inform him what I need and don't need. Now don't look at me like I know. You do the same thing, don't you? God would just listen to you. He'd be so smart, wouldn't he? Don't we have a wonderful Heavenly Father? He truly knows our every need. For in you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial or the testing of your faith being much more precious than a gold that perishes. <laughs> Don't we get excited about gold and silver and materialism? And, and, and by the way, it comes in handy in this life to live a life live with and all that. You realize what Peter's saying? The most valuable treasure you have on this planet today is your faith in Jesus Christ. Your faith in Jesus Christ is eternal. This is eternal. Well, we're talking about things. We're talking about truths and realities that the Word of God says the angels are literally bending down, stooping. Wow, do you realize what God has prophesied back? And look, man, now in Frank's day, much of this has been fulfilled. And a lot of it's yet to be fulfilled. I don't think the angels have understood it all yet either. Perhaps they're still picking looking and say, wow, can you believe what God you know, the Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of angels over one sinner that repents and gets saved. These created beings of God take an interest in these things and sometimes if we're not careful we get so used to it. Lose the wonder of it. Lose the wonder of it. And he says, do you realize in verse that your faith is more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, that your faith may be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, in this same chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end, now that word hope, Lord, we, we sang a song, our hope is in the Lord a minute ago. Listen, that word hope doesn't mean hang on, hang on, give it all you got, hang on, and do your best, and hope to the end, and boy, if, if you make it, whoo, the word of God make. No, that's not what it says here. The word hope, Lord, is confident expectation. Don't lose your faith, don't lose your confidence in Jesus. Verse 13, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Watch verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy. For I am holy. You know, the desire of our heart ought to be holy to God. Not because we're afraid that we'll lose our salvation or we've got to hang on to get to heaven, but because of the wonderful mercy and grace of God. 
I mentioned in Sunday school this morning that a lot of people don't want to read the Bible because they don't want to live like the Bible says y'all. Belief and behavior go hand in hand. And unbelief and, and unbehavior go, behavior goes together hand in hand. You know what God, 55 years ago, as a 14-year-old teenager, the best I knew how in my heart I acknowledged I was a sinner and asked Jesus to forgive me and save me. And he saved me just like that. And I haven't had to be concerned about God's wrath and God's condemnation. That's the mercy and grace of God. And for 55 years, God's been working in my life to save me from the time and the pollution and the dominion of sin in my life as a Christian. And the only times he hadn't succeeded is when I didn't walk. And I, like you, stumbled many times along the way. But aren't you thankful that Hey, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. And hallelujah, one day, one day he's going to save us from the very presence of sin. Now that's salvation past, present, and future. That's the abundant mercy of God. That's the manifold grace of God that Peter mentions in chapter 5. Now, these are the things that Peter's talking about in this portion of this salvation that was prophesied in the Old Testament, provided through the Lord Jesus Christ, preached by preachers and Christians like you and me down through the centuries. Hallelujah. And the promise that Jesus Christ is coming back again. You know, I thought this week that sometimes it seems like we talk a lot around here about salvation, getting saved, winning the loss. Well, the Bible says quite a bit about it, doesn't it? Quite a bit about it. And if the angels are trying to peek into it and see what it's all about, <laughs> such wisdom of God that could come up with such a plan, such mercy and grace, should we not be excited about it? Interested in it? Try to learn everything Try to get as many people as we can in on the reaching with the gospel of Jesus Christ and share with them what the Lord. I just don't think you can put too much emphasis on it, can you? Because this is what determines where somebody's going to spend eternity, either in heaven or hell. Of this salvation, Peter says, this glorious Savior that we've had, this glorious salvation, past. Present and future. Would you bow your head in prayer with me this morning? Did you know today I believe that you and I, by the mercy and grace of God, have the opportunity of experiencing something that the angels don't even experience? Why would I want to trade places with an angel for a day? You and I have the privilege experiencing God's forgiveness, God's mercy, God's grace, God's holiness, godliness, in a way that even the angels don't know anything about. Father, I pray today that the Holy Spirit just get the message across to our hearts that you're seeking to get across to us. And such love and mercy and grace, oh God, ought to motivate us to love you 
as, as Lord, as, as Peter said there in verse, blessed be the God. Praise you, God. Worship God. To God be the glory. Your wisdom, your love, your mercy, your prayer, your power, oh God, that saves us and keeps us safe. Your power is working. Oh God, may our hearts just be challenged once again to not lose the wonder of it. And may such mercy and grace motivate us to give our all to you, to live for Jesus, to serve you, be holy and godly, be soft and light in this old, dark, sinful world. Reach out with hearts of compassion, O oh God, to share this gospel with others, that they too might be saved. Father, we thank you that Jesus left the outer palaces of heaven, came and died on that old rugged cross, was buried and rose again. And I pray today, Lord, if there's anyone here who's never truly repented, trust in Jesus. This will be the day, O oh God, that they'll not put their trust in themselves or any church or religious organization, O oh God, but trust Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation. And we'll thank you and praise you, O oh God, for what you do. In Jesus' precious name we pray. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you stand with me, please? Just for a moment or two, a minute or two, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask the pianist to play softly on the piano. While hands are bound and eyes are closed, we want to give you an invitation today to make a decision on what you've heard. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Can you look back with the grace of God and say, yes, there was a time in my life the best I knew how from my heart, I sincerely put my faith and trust. I am trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone. If not, you can do that right now. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved as God promised. Do you know this glorious salvation? Do you know this glorious saint? Oh, what a saint. Do you know Jesus? Jesus said, come unto me. Learn of me. Would you like for someone to help you? You need some lady or some gentleman to help you, we'd be glad to. While the pen is playing, you just come down the aisle, meet me here at the front, tell me what's on your heart, we'll be glad to help you all we can. No obligation to this church, we just want to help you. If you know the Lord, would you just, I'm sure you will, just lift your heart down and praise. And you do what Peter said and say, Blessed be the God, blessed be our Heavenly Father, blessed be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of God that makes it a reality in our lives. And just praise the Lord for His salvation. I'm going to ask the pianist to play one more verse and then I'll leave off. Just look and live. Look to Jesus this morning. And then as we leave here today, go back to your workplace, your community. And those are mission fields. Take a gospel track. Share with someone else with you something that even angels are so interested in. What God's mercy and grace is providing for sinners like you and me. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen.